Happy Fourth of July, Daryl. Thank you very much, Nick. Yeah. What um, what are you guys doing over there? Uh, not very much. We're chilling. Uh, mm-hmm. we did almost nothing this weekend, but we did do five laps in Prospect Park on the bikes today, which uh-huh. was a long, like um, yeah, the most laps we've done in one day. It's not bad. Five laps. How long a bike ride is that? It ends up being from like our place to the park with those laps and back about 20 miles. Wow. That's long. It's not bad. Did you bring the dog? No dog. Dog stays at home so we can go out and do our fitness activity. I don't, I don't do dogs. No. Had a bad experience. (laughs) Yeah. I had a bad experience. <laughs> yeah, your last dog was kind of an asshole. Oh, my last dog was an asshole. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked him. I yeah, liked my last guy. dog because he hated everybody in the world except for me. Mm-hmm. And I like that about him. That's what you need in a dog, though. I mean, yeah. you couldn't really have it under any other way. Yeah, I had a lady on the street once tell me that dog should be put down and confined to the bowels of hell. <laughs> Rough. You know? Uh-huh. It was what it was. <laughs> Not but I liked him. Uh he I saw him a few years later. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And he uh was very docile and chill, and I didn't like him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I lost a little, little bit of his character. That's it. All of it. Yeah. Turns out. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, this is No One Likes the Tuna Podcast, the world's premier dedicated Fast and Furious podcast. However, because of scheduling and wanting to end up at Fast 9, by the release of Fast 9, we ended up skipping over our in-betweener episode from last cycle. And so, we're making up for lost time. We're going to do two in-betweeners in a row. The first one being this one. And voted on by our patrons on patreon.com slash no one likes the tuna podcast. We watched the 2003 Mark Wahlberg starring feature film The Italian Job. <laughs> uh, I mean, for those yeah. of you who don't know, who have maybe joined us recently, The Inbetweener is a crucial part of our survival here yeah. on No One Likes to the Podcast because, yeah. as you know, we do these movies in cycle. We go front to back and then we back reward ourselves. Yeah, we reward ourselves with a little Inbetweener here. We get to mm-hmm. get a taste of some that some other toy type of film that yeah. is only loosely related to these to these movies. Yeah, loosely. And this one actually sort of has more connections than the rest of them, basically. Mm-hmm. We this movie was directed by F. Gary Gray, who directed Fate of the Furious. Stars Charlize Theron mm-hmm. and uh Jason Statham. Both Featured actors in the later films. Um, do you want to like launch in, do some like initial thoughts on this movie? Had sure. you seen so, this movie previously? Let's start with I that. have seen this before, but not in a long time. Mm-hmm. And in thinking back to what this movie was, I like I know Charlize Theron, I know Jason Statham. Yeah. I honestly thought this was a Matt Damon movie when I like Whoa. before I queued it up today. I was like, <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> no, I don't think Matt could have done it. I don't think Matt would be good in the role. I don't think so either. I think mm-hmm. he would have done it and it would have been soft. And I'm very, very glad that this is a Mark Wahlberg film. Instead. Me too. Had Born come out? Born was 2001, right? So Born had so. come out. Yeah. 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 It would no, have been totally. Think, yeah. yeah. It would have been totally different. I think Mark Wahlberg, and I do enjoy Mark Wahlberg as an actor. <laughs> sure. Like. Yeah, uh, there's something about it that is both serious and tough and comedic at the same time. Yeah, he has an incredibly like sweaty, frustrated quality that is great. It's like <laughs> really intriguing and <laughs> captivating. Um, I also think Mark Wahlberg is a good actor. I think he has 
done things, I think, very purposely for him and worked with people, like, to try to sort of work with big directors or what he felt were big directors. Um, and, like, a lot of those movies didn't work out very well. Um, and I think he's great when he's sort of with one of his guys, <laughs> you know? Like, if he's in the... Like, I think F. Gary Gray and him sort of were a good fit for one another. The Peter Berg thing and him is a good fit. Even the Michael Bay thing and him is like a, it's a really good fit. I mean, I know he's in those Transformers movies, Mm -hmm. which are not super high quality, but he's like something in them. And, um, and Pain and Gain, which is another Michael Bay movie. And that movie kicks ass <laughs> i mean kind of rules i mean yeah we should have put it in our in our contenders for yeah, our have. off cycle because we talk about it all the time yeah we do <laughs> you and i i think you and i are the biggest pain and game defenders <laughs> in the universe maybe <laughs> i love that movie yeah so i was kind of surprised i think it's been many years at least 10 years since i've seen this movie yeah i think in my memory it Sort of, yeah, I thought it stood as one of the greatest heist movies I've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And after watching again, it just seems sort of average mm-hmm. in terms of heist movies. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's but, a product of just like where the heist movie has come to at this point in the popular culture? You know, because like Fast Five is a heist movie, right? Mm-hmm. And do you think that like Fast Five has colored your um, rewatch of the Italian Job in a way that sort of makes it look a little docile by comparison? Mm-hmm. I mean, I if I have to be honest, I think Italian Job is still a better heist movie than Fast Five. Agree. But in the grand scheme of things, I thought it. I thought Italian Job was better in my memory than it was okay. having watched it yesterday. Okay. And I think, I mean, so I think within this year, I watched the um, the Oceans. I think yeah. I maybe did 11, 12, maybe 13. Yeah, all kind of good. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, pretty good, you know? Yeah. And I think the, <laughs> right, what, well, yeah, what makes a heist movie? Um, and it's, yeah, the unexpected twists. And the more you can fit into one movie, the better. Right, I agree. The sort of cleverness of the characters, sort of. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I I totally agree. Um, I saw this movie when I was when it came out. I saw it in theaters, and when I was thirteen, I believe, although I could be misremembering, we went to the movie theaters for Abe Todd's birthday, and um, we. We saw this movie, and we all talked about it and loved it and watched it many times on home video afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mini Coopers especially, Abe was sort of a car guy at that point. Like a car, you know, he was into cars. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, telling us all about these Mini Coopers before we, like, walked into the movie theater. Which I thought was like, how does this motherfucker know about all these cars? Now I realize, like, his dad probably made him watch the original first and, like, mm. told him what the Mini Cooper was and, like, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, I thought, yeah. Anyway, this movie does, as much as I like this movie, and I really, I really like this movie a lot. I, <laughs> I, I, and I remembered this movie beat for beat, basically. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, almost everything about it. Um... It does sort of feel like in 2001, there was a studio executive at Paramount who was like, oh, they got these new Mini Coopers coming out. Should we remake the Italian job? (laughs) Yeah. You know? With new Mini Cooper, I like that seems to me to be like the inception. It's so perfectly timed up with the mm-hmm. new Mini Coopers coming out. It just feels like, all right, that's how this whole sort of ball got happen. rolling on this picture. Um, hold on, did you watch? Have you watched the original one? I've never seen it. Michael Caine is in it. I've never seen it though. Right, I haven't either, and I saw it come up on my 
like Roku search. Not only do they have the 1969 original, mm-hmm. it's something came up with a 2020 date on it, and I I saw that and it looked unusual to me. Here's how I feel about that: if they were gonna remake the Italian Job again, yeah. Kind of Why it. would you? Kind of for it. I'm kind of. Yeah. I'm kind of would be into it. Get like Nick Jonas in there. Oh my goodness! You know, you know? like yeah. I kind of would be. I kind of would be into it. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. I I dig the Mini Coopers big time, and I know, like, yeah. In the grand scheme of things, I for sure want to get a JDM car, but Mini Cooper is sort of mixed in there in the top priorities because i feel like it would be fun to drive around right i've driven before they're great i've never driven one and by it's because the time i was i soured on the mini coopers i soured on the mini coopers pretty quickly like from Mm -hmm. 13 to like 16 because um there were like three or four moms at my high school who ended up buying those Mini Coopers. And then yeah. from that moment, I was like, oh, it's a mom-mobile. I don't want yeah. that. You know, I was, I was a dumb teenager. But um, I, yeah, so I was like off the Mini Coopers. I've never driven one. And I also had like a crazy uncle who was obsessed with them and got like a weird customized modded out Mini. That's I what like, I would do. I'm not into that <laughs> vibe at all. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's my sort of history with the Cooper, basically. I would do it. I like the shape. Mm-hmm. I like the difference. I am not sure whether I would do a black top or a white top. Mm-hmm. And I just like the, like, miniature nature. What type of wheels? Is it, like, little 12-inch rims they run on those things? Yeah, they're small. Oh, they're great. But, I mean, they've got little BMW engines inside of them. Yep. I've driven them before. Very sporty, very fun. I do we'll see think, if in my lifetime I'll drive another. I do think this era, the like 2003 era Mini Cooper, which was like the original re-release Mini Cooper, yeah, is the best looking yeah. one. After that, they got into like the Clubman and they had a convertible version and then they had like an XL version, which was like a mini SUV mini. Yeah. I've never liked any of the variants that they've done on any of the Coopers. I like the original, and that's about it, basically, mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so 2003, the Italian job. I don't know if we should go through the plot. I mean, I hope people will have watched the movie before they listen to this podcast, maybe. But, like, I guess let's talk about the Fast and Furious people. We've got Charlize Theron, and we've got Jason Statham in a pretty early role for Jason. I mean, I'm trying to think, so, that he, had he done Transporter beforehand? So he had done Transporter, I believe, mm-hmm. two years beforehand. Mm-hmm. But I believe this is one of the early um, appearances for Charlize. In fact, oh. when I looked at her IMDb page, it doesn't even show up as sort of her top credits. Right, as like a known for kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, like this is how I found out about Charlize. And in this I movie... I think this is how I... F- no, this is not how I found out about Charlize. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you how I found out about Charlize. She was in a movie called Mighty Joe Young about a big-ass gorilla that I mm-hmm. watched a lot when I was a kid. I was seven mm-hmm. or eight. And then she was in the Cider House Rules like two years after that. And that was like a big movie in New England because it was shot. It was like shot in Northampton. And it was like uh, the whole thing was like filmed in, in around my area in New England. So mm-hmm. I was like, everybody gone to see it. I don't know why I got to see it at 10 years old because it's an inappropriate movie for a 10 year old to watch. But she was in that movie. And then she showed up in the Italian job for me. So nice. I'd known a little bit. Yeah. How'd you think she was in this movie? Uh, great. Fun, actually. Yep. Like, yep. she, I mean, the scene where she's driving the Mini Cooper around in the uh, the staged version of mm-hmm. Ed Norton's house. Amazing. She's having Selfie. fun. She's riding the Mini Cooper. Yep. She plays the, uh, yeah, like, 
I forgot his name. John, yeah, John's daughter Stella. She plays off on being the safe breaker. I liked it a lot. Honestly, I thought she was amazing. I thought she's amazing in this movie. And one thing I pulled out was like good car acting. The, yeah, the woman would be great behind the wheel of a vehicle. Hmm, interesting mm-hmm. that uh, Mr. <laughs> Gary Gray didn't tap that resource again for Fate of the Furious. And then they didn't put her behind the wheel of a car in, in F9. Fast 9, yeah. You know, which is annoying because uh, clearly she has demonstrated she's got the skills. Good car acting, which is a really hard, important skill that we talk about all the time on this pod. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike... Uh, Helen Mirren. That's one point I missed last week when we talked about F9. I thought her car acting was terrible, basically. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I disagree. I liked her in car. I liked that. Dyna- it was sh- it was a short scene. It was maybe 15 yeah. seconds she had yeah. in car yeah. with Vin. She's too cool. I don't cool. like it when they're too cool. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't like it when they're too cool. <laughs> yeah. Um... Do you think Charlize had character inspiration from Leticia Ortiz, Letty Ortiz, mm. in this movie? Mm, like, um... Doing the camisole, like, rugged jean. I'm sorry, I got mad You got fireworks, fireworks. going on? I, I thought got, that was my house. Fourth of July. No, that's yeah. me. I got huge fireworks just practicing outside right that's now. That's all good, man. <laughs> Um, yeah, at some point I thought, like, during the movie, I was like, wait a minute, are you trying to draw on, draw on Letty as part of this character right now? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, I think this movie takes a lot of, like, not cues, but at least, like, jumped off the back of Fast and Furious, where they Mm -hmm. were like, oh, car movies are back. Let's do it. Yeah. You know? Um, and... Yeah, there's definitely, like, chasing stuff here that feels a lot like, oh, yeah, okay. We're just doing, like, car stuff. Especially, like, I know that Too Fast came out either right before this or right after this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, which has much better, dyna- more dynamic, like, car racing scenes than the first one as well. But, um, yeah, I think there was just, like, a moment in the early 2000s where people were like, Based launched off the Fast and the Furious, where like, yeah, let's put people in cars and let's do some car scenes and let's have a good time with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other guy, Jason Statham, our other actor from the Fast and the Furious movies. How do we feel about Jason? I mean, I think in the I think in the Fast and the Furious movies, he plays tough guy. Like British mm-hmm. tough guy, but I like in this also um, in what is it Snatch or something. I like see. I actually like seeing him in not just like muscle. Yeah, muscle. Yeah, dude not characters. just like punch you in your face role. Yeah, I yeah. like the I like the sexiness they tried to apply to this character here, mm-hmm. and I thought it was. Uh, I don't know. I think he. I think he works better with something else too. Um, contribute. Yeah, something else to. Uh, I don't know. Like yeah, something act else to around. do, basically, yeah. other than t- intimidate people. Mm-hmm. I I agree. I agree. I mean, I think he's rough around the edges. I'm not gonna lie. Like, just from a pure performance standpoint, I was like, mm, you know, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I I agree that, like, it's better to watch him, like, charm people than intimidate them, basically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which was, which was part of it. I mean, he doesn't get a ton to do in this movie, especially because, like, he's noted as the wheelman of the group, right? But he ends up being one of three people in the cars driving around. And I think his, his sort of hero driving moment is when they get out of the tunnel... And he spins around and tells Mos Def to open the door and like knock the knock the motorcycle cop or whatever off the off the road. So, mm-hmm. which was like 
fun. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he's all right. Um, uh, all right. So Mark Wahlberg, part of this crew, they get they steal this safe of gold in Venice. They get betrayed mm-hmm. by Edward Norton with one of the one of Hollywood's worst ever goatee facial hair <laughs> in a movie of all time. <laughs> Um, good villain, in yeah, my opinion. Definitely. Yeah, I know that Ed Norton. I'm sort of reconfirming this because this is something I didn't look up before the pod. But I'm pretty sure what happened here is he had like a three movie deal with Paramount that he had only done like one movie on. Um and. Oh, he was, and then like in negotiation, they were like, "Okay, you can, we'll pay you less, and you only have to do one movie." And he like wanted out of this picture, basically, and they made him do this movie, The Italian Job, which is a movie he unbelievably did not want to be in. <laughs> like, you know, uh, not, what were yeah. the what were the other movies that he was contracted into? I don't know. Like, I'm I'm pretty sure. He, I'm pretty sure that like he had done one, uh, which I don't know which movie was the one he had to do for Paramount. Um, and then they had him like on overall deal of like, you, you, you know, you got to do three pictures for us and we get to sort of pick the projects and you can say no. Uh, but like he kept being like, nah, I don't want to do that. They kept pitching him stuff and he was like, nah, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't. And then it's so finally he was like, Paramount was fed up with him. He was fed up with Paramount pitching him garbage and wanted out of his contract. They threatened to sue. They sort of ended up settling and saying like, all right, you, you, you can get out of the contract, but you have to do just one more movie and we just get to pick it and you don't get to say no. And so this is what it ended up being. Um, I feel like that almost lends like this sense of like villainy. I think that's perfect. Like, Hey, we're going to put you in this thing and I know you don't want to be here, but you're going to be the bad guy. I thought it was the perfect amount of like stankiness needed for this villain. I completely, completely Completely agree. I thought he was like disgusting and stinky. I thought his costumes were great, where it was like these weird, like flowy clothes and like red and black suits. Mark Bridges, who is a legendary costume designer, did these costumes. Um, I love them all. Um, yeah, I thought Norton was good. I think the person I have the most trouble with in this movie. Is our man Seth Green? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. So this was Seth Green's like moment, right? Was it? All right. Did this come before or after Austin Powers? This is post Austin Powers. Austin Powers, I believe, is a ninety-eight movie, maybe ninety-seven. Mm-hmm. Um, ninety. No, Austin Powers, ninety-seven. Yeah, and then the Spider Who Shagged Me is ninety-nine. So he'd actually done two Austin Powers before. Three. Uh-huh. Because they did Goldmember. They, God, they did these movies so quick. I love that. 97, right. 99, 2002. Was he doing movies? Or what was he doing before Austin Powers? Because like, as a preteen, Let's that's how I found out about Seth Green. Look it up. Yeah. I mean, definitely that's how I knew of Seth Green. He was in a teenage, he was in a teenage comedy. So I didn't know this was Seth Green until after I'd seen Austin Powers in this movie and went back to this. I believe it's called Can't Hardly Wait. Sort of a classic of the 90s teen comedy romance era. Um, He plays like a sort of a frosted tip punk who wears ski goggles, you know, know, looking around. (laughs) He was in uh, Without a Paddle. Later on, later on, he plays. We did do is he is he in like the American Pie movies or something? I don't think no. he is. Um, 
I mean, he done a ton of stuff, basically. A ton of comedy stuff, though. Like, A-minus, B-plus comedy stuff. I sort of agree. I don't know quite how he got his start, but he's sort of in that comedy zone. I think he was just, to be honest with you, I think he was just a child actor. You know? I think he was just sort of an interesting-looking kid whose parents put him in the industry. And he, I mean, because he has, like, a shit ton of credits from 90, you know, even the, like, late 80s. He's just been everything. He did, like, 10,000 episodes of TV. He's in the TV movie It from the early 90s. Um... Yeah, I mean, he's just in tons of stuff. So I think he just grew up acting, came around. But this is like, I feel like this is the moment for Seth Green. Because he does Enemy of the State. And no, that's after Austin Powers, sorry. Um, he does Austin Powers in 97 as Scott Evil. Kind of breaks out from that movie. In a movie where it's like Mike Myers doing the Mike Myers, Mike Myers thing and as much acclaim as Mike Myers gets from that movie, which was an enormous hit, Seth is the other guy who kind of pops in that movie, right? I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, Can't Hardly Wait is after Austin Powers, 98. Enemy of the State, which is an incredible movie, also 98. That's a good 98, those two. Mm-hmm. And then second Austin Powers, some TV... Third Austin Powers. I'm sure he just went right in from production to production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he seems like a great supporting actor mm-hmm. from the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this was one of his best. I, I mean, think I mean, he's one I of really his best. I think the Austin Powers ones are really the best. <laughs> I think, yeah, obviously it's like the Austin Powers. Seth, Seth uh, or whatever his name, Scott Evil Scott. is the role yeah. he was born to play. But I don't think I've ever been a Seth Green guy. Hmm. And I just felt like I understand you need comic relief. I understand you've written this like horny, nerdy, teenager sort of tech hacker role. I understand it's 2003 and it is like the perfect moment to cast Seth Green in this role. I, like I don't blame anybody for this. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I'm not in love with Seth, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Uh, what did you think of his hacking in comparison to the hacking we see in Fast and Furious? Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Loved it. I think so, too. It felt way better to have a movie that was like, Oh, here's a guy who actually has to use skills to hack into a thing to do one thing at a fucking time, which is like change the right traffic light at the right moment. You know, that to me is like, let's do it. That's perfect. Right. That's perfect to me. That's not like, let's pick up every cell phone in the entire world and then just like create a 3D composite image of this person. We can just sort of watch them in imaginary 3D video or whatever bullshit hacking thing goes Mm -hmm. on nowadays. Right. I'm into like, it felt more bare bones. It felt more like, here's an operation. You're just sort of a piece of the operation rather than like the whole thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, I was into it. You? I I agree. I mean, I think that, yeah, you mentioned this on the in the past, which is showing how you create the, yeah, showing how you create the con or create the magic. And I right. think they did that well in this movie. Right. And, I mean, when I think about, I mean, when I think about hacking in Hollywood, I think about Seth Green sitting in the airport uh, baggage claim area with this mm-hmm. little I thought it was great I mean I don't yeah. know who came up with that of like oh let's put him in a baggage claim but it's like yeah of course you should put him in a baggage claim <laughs> this is a perfect place for him to be right. you know um, yeah I, I mean 
I I just feel like Seth is the wrong dude, although I don't know who the right dude is, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess sort of the last person we have to talk about is most deaf. Yeah. Who had a quiet little movie career and then doesn't do movies anymore, which is, to me, kind of a bummer. A bummer. I, think, I agree. I agree. I, after seeing him in this movie, I definitely wish I saw him in more. And when I think about other rappers who have tried to bridge the gap between music and movies, right. when I watch this, I'm just like, I like watching most stuff. Yasin Bey. Yasin Bey. Excuse. Yeah, I know. He is now called Yasin Bey. So let's. But I. Yeah, I grew up knowing him as most deaf, especially in. Especially in this like HBO. There was like an HBO movie that mm-hmm. ran every 2004. So right after this. It's called something the Lord made about like a the black doctor who helped invent like heart surgery basically, mm-hmm. and uh, he plays the guy Vivian Thomas, and uh, he's fucking great in it. And like that movie ran on HBO every fucking I must have seen that movie thirty times because it just ran on HBO I turned on I'd know exactly where it was like it was fifteen minutes in, twenty minutes in. I just watched the rest of it. Wow. You know? Alan Rickman's in it. He's so good. There's one point he's playing like a southern gentleman. There's one point where he's like giving a lecture about how they're gonna do heart surgery and he's just like No Latangray. <laughs> Do not touch. Do not touch the heart. Um. Anyway, most F is good. I wish he did more movies. That's my yeah. basic shit. I thought he was awesome in this. I yeah. think about how disappointed I am every time I see Common in a movie. It's supposed to be fun. He shows up in the John Wick movies, for example. And yep. I really like Common. I really like most F as musicians. But I really, yeah, comparatively, I enjoy most effing movies a lot more. Um, Yeah, I agree. And the John Wick movies, if that was uh, Yasin Bey instead of Common, would be fucking great. Yes. Right? Yes, it would. Yeah. (sighs) Um, He just have this, he's got this quality that's like sort of um really scrawny and really sort of charming and quiet and sort of and subdued but also like i really feel he could do something like totally menacing like use that to get into something like really menacing and kind of like scary even yeah the voice Not, yeah. yeah the voice in it, the voice itself is mm-hmm. like philosophical even. Yeah, the voice and is great. Yeah, yeah, it's it's menacing in the same way that um, like Tom Hardy plays Bane, kind of. Right. Yes. Totally. I mean, he doesn't have like sort of physical I- intimidation behind that character, but there is sort of you can swap that out easily for sort of a, a, a like an intellectual intimidation. You know, or mm-hmm. something like that. I'd love to see him play like just an absolute Ooh. devious villain, kind of, kind of like, villain. Oh, kind of yeah, like the, that... um, you know, Mission Impossible, like the sixth one with that sort of high pitched Scottish dude. Hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Forget the actor. I watched name. it. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he's like real quiet and high pitched, and he's kind of he's freaky, man. Yeah. But other than, like, after this movie, he does something the Lord made for HBO. He's in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which he has a big role in. He's in 16 Blocks, which is a movie I that I don't remember. But I saw it in theaters and can't rem- remember a, a thing other than Bruce Willis's wig in that movie. And then, other than that, he does... Oh, and then he does, like, some cameos as himself... Be Kind Rewind, which really feels like is was his last real, like, 
here I am in a role. Mm -hmm. Because the rest is just kind of like a couple episodes here and there of TV, Cadillac Records, which nobody remembers, but he's sort of playing a cameo anyway in that movie. He plays Chuck Berry. Um, and yeah, that's kind of it. That's mm -hmm. kind of it. And Begin Again, which was a movie about music starring Mark Ruffalo and Kira Knightley back in the day, which I've never seen. Yeah. So um, it'd be the cool if he was is... in more movies. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. The heist is good. The safe shit is good. I think Charlie's cracking it is like I love. I just love that stuff. Even though you see the Chekhov's gun early, where it's like she's like, my dad used his ear. I use technology. Helps me mm -hmm. be consistent. Helps it. You know whatever. And you're like, she's gonna have to use her ear. You know. Even though you see it miles ahead, when it gets down to it, you're like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go get it, Stella. Yeah, let's do it. Um, um Yeah, go ahead. I I don't know if I I probably have not talked about this on the podcast, but I learned on YouTube and I probably learned it from no, I didn't learn from Stella, but I can open master locks by touch. Whoa. What? <laughs> like the keyed no, not the keyed one, but your the standard, like, high school, like, three-number combination lock. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. I can break those by touch. You can break them by touch. Just so you know. You can Is learn that on the YouTube. thing where you sort of have to pull it down a little bit, and then it will get stuck on the number that it is? Yeah. And then you just... just to do that, there's a little bit of math involved, but mm -hmm. I can crack them. Okay. All right. So, That's pretty cool. Could have used you about Six years ago when I got my gym locker stuck shut and they had to get the pliers out and fucking... Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was using it because, yeah, I had like... I had I had or found like a number of uh, padlocks and mm -hmm. we were going... It was summertime. We were going to the uh, New York City public pools, which are amazing, but you know, bring locks for mm -hmm. those things. Yeah. And I had an extra one. I was like, I don't, I don't know the combination of this. So I need to figure it out. I did it by touch and math. Touch and math. Touch but and math. It can be done. That's pretty cool. I mean, and I think the scene in this movie where she does the final, the final safe by touch is like really good. And they're like yeah. right up close on that dial. And yeah. you can sort of hear the heartbeat of the. <laughs> yeah. You know? I loved it. Yeah, I mean, what they need to have after that is a is a hit single, a hit reggaeton single after that, and that's how you really seal the moment. Yeah, <laughs> rather than like Eric Clapton's Money or whatever, or whatever, Cream. Yeah, yeah Cream, yeah. Yeah, to be fair, I thought the music in this movie was very good. I thought so, too. Yeah. Yeah, but they need to seal the uh, the moment of safe opening with a real reggaeton banger. There is a genre of like Hollywood techno from this era. Um, that's so like this repetitive, like, you know, like that kind of yeah. thing that I love. I just, oh. <laughs> I love it. I wholly agree. It's so yeah. much better than the, uh, yeah, like tension generating dubstep they play yes. in movies these I days. I totally agree. I totally agree. It's just like, oh, this movie, if that music's playing, I know that like cool guys are doing some cool shit, you know? Yeah. And that's all there is to it. So, um, yeah, and this movie's full of cool guys doing cool shit, and I think it's good, and I think everybody should watch it, and um, I don't have much else to say on the topic, to be honest with you. I agree. I think it is, it's taken inspo and has given inspo to mm -hmm. our Fast and the Furious franchise, and I think both movies are better off because of it. And I think they should make a sequel. Yeah. You know? the so, Yeah, go ahead. I saw this. I saw something showed up on my Roku as a 2020 something yeah. around an Italian job. I don't know what it is. 
it obviously wasn't big enough to have caught yeah. my attention before, but there's something out there that was great. There was like a failure to launch TV show at some point. I that might have been what it is. But I'm not sure. Um, anyway, they should make a sequel, like the Czechoslovakian job. And then, you know, <laughs> like get Nick Jonas in it. And uh-huh. it'd be fucking great. Get Nick Jonas and Dua Lipa. And <laughs> I don't know why it's like yeah. all musicians, but do yeah. it. Yeah, Dua Lipa is, would be great as a cameo in any of mm-hmm. the movies that we want. And make most death the villain. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! It really would be good. It really that really <laughs> would be a good movie, and they should make it. And they should hire me to write it. Um, is there a reference by, um, Shaw by Shaw to the Italian job in Hobbs and Shaw? Don't know. I think he at some point he's like, oh, we did the shop in Italy at some point. I think these might. I think these movies might actually exist in the same universe. You know, this is a really good point because now that you're saying that, there's something. Are you sure it's Hobbs and Shaw and not Fate of the Furious? Could be, because Fate of the Furious would make sense of like if he's talking about Cipher and he's like used to do a job. You did a job with her in Italy at one point. You know, even though. Yeah. They did the job together in California, but that's okay. Yeah. I do remember a thing you're saying. We should look out. We really need to look out for it. I know we say that every time, and we never remember to look out for the thing that we were trying to look out for, but we got to look out for that one. Uh, Yeah. I mean, the implication would be that Cypher and Stella are the same person, potentially. I'd be into that. (laughs) <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. I mean, we're completely into that, you know. Yeah. Um. Maybe she like took Seth. It'd be weird if it turned out Seth Green was working for her and doing all of her Ooh, hacking for her the whole time. <laughs> I, I don't think I'd love that as an addition to the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> yeah, we're not asking for that cameo. We don't want Seth Green to show no, up. I don't think I need Seth. I don't need yeah. Seth showing up anymore. I mean, he's got a great life. I'm sure he's got a great life, you mm-hmm. know. Um. Anyway, do you want to do some shout-outs? Yes. 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 All right, what would you like to shout-out to this week, Daryl? So I'm in between here. So mm-hmm. uh, my 4th of July shout-out here. Mm-hmm. I'm undecided. I think it's an anti-shout-out because okay. this is – so I bought uh, two packs of Sabret – Hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I've been eating them all week. And the they've been great. I did them on the grill. Yep. I did them on, uh, I sometimes do them in the cast iron. Sure. They're, like, pretty good, but I don't think they're better than the Nathan's hot dog. Right. Okay. Both in all beef, of... Frank. Yes. Mm-hmm. Both kosher. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So after eating two packs of subrets, I think that Nathan's still brain supreme. I think you're just subretted out. I mean, you know, it's like diminishing marginal them. return here. I mean, they they're just. I think they're too salty. Oh, I think, I think very too interesting. Salty. Yeah, yeah. Okay. When I eat the Nathan's dog, there's a distinctive meatiness to it, which I yeah. enjoy. Yeah. I like I like them both. I'd say Sabret is higher for me on the list than Nathan's. Mm-hmm. I'll eat Nathan's when I'm at Coney Island because, like, what else are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know? But um, Nathan's feels like a touch fancy for me. I feel like they got, like, their nose up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, that's right. We're Nathan's. You know? And Sabret's like a working man's dog is how I feel about it. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. But I mean, when hey, I think back to the taste, I'm thinking like about the taste. Like. I love a subret. I've I've had who knows how many of them at this point. But yeah. if I have to think about it, at the end of the day, on the Fourth of July, the Nathan's is really what I'm trying to be eating. All right, 
right. I mean, go. that's a good 4th of July shout-out, you know? Like, you're sort of shouting out two Nathans and anti-shouting out Sabret <laughs> at the same time. So, there's a good balance there. <laughs> right, right. Um, I have a shout-out. I have an anti-shout-out this week, Daryl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went on vacation last week. Had a really lovely time. You know, we went down to Ruapehu, which is like the big mountain in the middle of North Island. It's where um, Maui Tiki Tiki like fished the North Island out of the ocean, which is dope. That's where he hooked it. And um, we, so we went down this mountain, we did a little skiing. Not a lot, because it was like most of the things were closed. Uh-huh. Yeah, go ahead. You got a curious look on your face. I forgot it's fucking winter in your area of it's the winter. planet right now. Yeah. yeah. Good. It's winter time. So. Wow. Anyway, we had a great vacation, stayed at a great Airbnb, lit a fire. It's all good. The last day, we woke our ass up and got rented. Um, I'm actually ashamed to say it. <laughs> It's kind of hard for me. We rented bicycles. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. We we did this like thing where you pay them 15 bucks and they they truck you and your bike out to like the end of this track and then cool. you ride back to town. That's so sweet. So it's like we went trail riding. My gooch has never heard <laughs> <laughs> like I'm more than an, it, it does. Right. I mean, I'm in serious pain, sitting down uh-huh. on a pillow right now. I mean, I'm in, I'm in trouble, bro. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I love sitting down, but when that is compromised, like I know that something is awry. It's bad. It was bad. And like the whole time, first of all, I almost died. I'm so out of shape. I was like trying to take a couple of these hills, and I was. <gasps> You know, I was just like hoofing it up these hills. I had to stop. And then you got to start again on the hill. Oh, that's uh, terrible. Eventually, if I just cranked it to the lowest gear possible, I could like get up the hill maybe very slowly. <laughs> but um, I mean, the trail was beautiful. And like we stopped, a lot. we rode across like the the largest curved viaduct in the Southern Hemisphere. Okay. So nice. we rode, it's like an old railroad track that doesn't work anymore, but we rode, you can ride all the way along it over to the other side. Uh, and that was cool. Um, but uh, my legs hurt, my knees hurt, <laughs> my butt hurts. You know? Yeah. Just, uh, and also, I, I didn't bring gloves and it was fucking freezing and like my <laughs> fingers almost fell off dude <laughs> so bad so i don't think i mean it's about been about 15 years since i rode a bicycle yeah i think i'll probably leave it for another 15 that's how i feel that's you know? hilarious yeah i don't think that's for in the cards for me i was telling jess not even this morning i was like <laughs> look when july rolls around it's the tour de france you need to be in peak bicycle <laughs> shape Jess, Nick, that's the time of the year. And that's the environment I grew up in. My dad loves and follows uh, professional cycling. The yeah. Tour de France is the most elite version of uh, professional cycling. So he trains all year. Therefore, I train all year. I train Jess. And it seems like you might need to get on the program here. <laughs> like get, July- yeah, the, pro, the program, <laughs> as uh, July- Lance would call it. Need exactly. to get on the program. You got need to get on the program, and when July rolls around, you're supposed to be in peak cycling performance. I was not. <laughs> yeah, and like the downhills were fun. Yeah, and there were, we got going pretty fast at certain points, but then all of a sudden you'd hit these like rocks, and you're like, <laughs> you know, like felt like there was a lady with a sign stepping out in front of me, you know. <laughs> That's right. So, you have to be careful. Big anti shout out to like bikes, bicycling, <laughs> anybody who bicycles. And uh, I don't like people should do it. I don't think people right. should. You know what? Go for a walk. The Consider trail walking. would have been just as beautiful <laughs> if I'd just gone for a walk along it. 
So that's funny. That's me. Good. <sighs> if you want to give us your opinion on bicycles, you can do that at Nolt Podcast, N O L T T Podcast. Um, where no one likes to tune on Instagram, no one likes to tune a podcast at gmail.com. Uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all the good stuff. Welcome to our new listeners. We really love having you here. Uh, and uh, patreon.com slash no one likes to tune a podcast. If you want to pick these in between your episodes, join there. Uh, I swear to God, we're going to record this Riddick episode before I leave New Zealand in a couple weeks. It's going to happen. It's got to happen. So, um, we'll talk about that off mic, but, yeah, what what, what, what else was I going to say? I don't remember. Oh, next week, the movie. So, the poll's been up. It got voted on. And next week's episodes, because we're doing two of these in-betweeners in a row... We'll be on the Nicolas Cage and Angelina Jolie feature, Gone in 60 Seconds. Another seminal movie for 13-year-old me. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. That's a good one. I think that's a good movie. I think it's like a, it's like a career-defining performance for Giovanni Ribisi in that movie. <laughs> um there's some big stuff in that movie. We're going to talk wait. about it next week. So stay tuned for that. Wait. Yeah. Yes. Cool. All right, man. I will talk to you next week. Sounds good. No one likes to tune a podcast all day, every day. Mm-hmm.